sometimes we're just going to have a different normal, aren't we? You know, things are not always going to be the same. Um, and we just have to adapt to that. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't do lots of great things um, because you know, you're going to stay strong doing the right things. So welcome to this episode of Finding Your Range podcast with me, Jeannie Debon. This is the podcast that looks into hydromobility, EDS and chronic pain. And today we're having a very special event. I think I don't think this has ever been done before, actually. So I think we're we're breaking some ground here. We're discussing with a panel of experts um, pregnancy and prenatal, postnatal experiences and pregnancy experiences with EDS or hypermobility. So we've got some lovely guests with us today. Um, and you might see people joining. Um, <laughs> So don't worry if you see more people coming into the room. Um, but we're going to go ahead and introduce um, or let them introduce themselves, um, our lovely guests today. So uh, let's start at the top, my top left. Um, Katie, do you want to say hello and tell us about yourself? Hi. Yeah, I'm Katie. I live in Massachusetts. My daughter just turned one last week and I have HEDS, so hypermobile EDS and POTS. Perfect. Great. Thank you for joining us. So your daughter's one, you said? Yes. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Okay. Okay. Kelly, going down the bottom left. Yes. Hi, I'm Kelly. Um, I live in uh, Chicago area of Illinois. Um, I have HEDS and I am currently uh, 25 weeks pregnant. Um, my biggest issues that I've dealt with with EDS have been uh, CCI and just, you know, an assortment of GI and skin issues and other other yeah. things along those lines. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. Not long to go now. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> very exciting. Thank you for joining us. Um, so, Angeline, where Hi. are you calling from? Hi, I'm Angeline. I'm calling from Glasgow in Scotland. I have hypermobility and I have two kids aged 13 and four. Perfect. Welcome. Thank you. And we've got another lady from Scotland, actually, just joined us. Hi, Lorna. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. Do you want to just tell us um, where you're calling from and what sort of EDS you have or HSD? Yeah. Yep. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name's Lorna. I'm also in Glasgow. Ah. Um, so nice to see here. Another voice from Glasgow. Hi, yeah. I, I have EDS and I have... Uh, my little daughter, my first child, who's now eight months. Eight months. Oh, wonderful. So we've got a nice little mix, actually, haven't we, of um, different different experiences. So we've got um, pregnant, pregnant lady now, um, newly postnatal, one year postnatal, and then Angeline, who's more experienced, have got some older children. <laughs> So we've got a nice spectrum here, but of course you will all as, and of course I should count myself, a um, little bit further ahead with a 16 and an 18 year old now, but um, of course you still remember your pregnancies very, very vividly. So um, we can all talk about our experiences anyway. So um, just before we get started with the questions, um, just a little bit of a sort of um, information from me. So pregnancy and childbirth, is often a completely normal experience for women with EDS and HSD. 
It is, however, important to be aware of a number of issues that might cause problems. And being alert to these problems can mean that healthcare staff can reduce the risk of them arising and speed up any interventions so that there are no difficulties for both mother and child. So this podcast is designed to share real stories and experiences of women who have gone through pregnancy or are going through pregnancy, but of course it's not intended to be any kind of medical advice or guidance. So if you have any concerns about anything you're going through or that is raised in this podcast, then please, please do speak to your midwife or your medical practitioner. Okay, so let's get started. Um, let's start right at the beginning. So pre-pregnancy. So before you got pregnant, did you have any concerns? I mean, one of the things I get a lot of emails about is people say to me, can I have children? I've got EDS, can I have children? Is it, you know, is it dangerous to have children? Um, what should I be worried about? So we've obviously all going through it or been through it. Um, did you have any concerns about getting pregnant due to your EDS or your hypermobility? Um, so let's start with Angeline, if that's all right, because you've obviously sure. more got more experience under your belt. Um, do you remember having any issues or worries at the time? Um, with my first, I didn't know I was hypermobile. Yeah. So I had her in 2008 and then I didn't actually get diagnosed with hypermobility until I was about five months pregnant with my second. Oh, yeah. So um, that probably isn't really applicable to me. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You're the same as me. I never knew at all. So I had my first son um, and had terrible pelvic girdle pain at the time. Mm. And my second son, um, again, I still didn't know any of this. Um, and he was born very, very quickly. I had a very fast delivery. But mm. I didn't find out until well, three years ago, really. <laughs> so a long, long time. Yeah. So, yes. Did anyone else like to, to comment on, you know, pre-pregnancy issues? Did we have any issues or were you worried at all? I can like take that? this. I can yeah. start. Yes, I, thank you, Lorna. I did have pre-pregnancy worries and I think just with HEDS, I tend to worry anyway about my body. I feel I'm slightly more anxious than other people and I worry about if I'm going to be able to cope or if it's going to be sore, you know, just general mm -hmm. life, I'm a bit more anxious. So pre-pregnancy, I think the worst thing I did was read stories online because you tend to read the most extreme cases or the worst yes. cases and then you worry about it. So I think that's where I went wrong, but I was worried that I wasn't strong enough that my pelvis and my hips wouldn't cope with the weight of the baby. And I wasn't worried about after the baby, I was just worried about during the pregnancy. Um, I know we'll come to it later on, but after was actually worse than the pregnancy. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was my concerns. Um, and also a lack of awareness for the like professional medical mm -hmm. kind of team. I didn't really feel I had that backing from, you know, doctors midwives um so that was a concern for me as well I just was mm. anxious they didn't understand my body um, yeah yeah and did you come up against that did you come up against people who didn't know what you were talking about the whole way the whole way right. through 
which makes me think that if I was to have another one, um, it would be easier now that I've done it. Um, mm. I had to reach out to ED, the EDS Society for that sort of help to find right. people who were in the, you know, in that area to look after me. And yes, me, I had to keep the medical professionals right. I had to be quite strong and yes. tell them no when I thought that didn't wouldn't suit me. But it seemed a daunting task. And, you know, for a, a first time mum, a new mum, you've got lots of things on top mm. of that that you Absolutely. have to think about. So, yeah, there was there was concerns um, from from my side before. Mm. Yeah. Well, hopefully this podcast will help, you know, if there's any health professionals who are going to listen, it will help as well raise awareness of the concerns that, that we might have um, going through pregnancy. Does anyone else have any comments about that? Any pre-pregnancy concerns? No? We all happy? Yeah. Oh, Kelly, Kelly, yes, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, I recently found out I had EDS, uh, 2018. So pretty, pretty, pretty recently. Um, yes. my husband and I got married about a year before that. So, you know, and me being at the time I was 35, so we were anxious to kind of get going on having children. And then I started having some major health issues after going off birth control. And then that kind of led to my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once I was diagnosed, my doctors really wanted me to have autonomic testing done and just really get a full picture of, of what things might look like. Yes. Um, so that kind of gave me a lot of anxiety because, you know, on one hand, I really wanted to have kids and I wanted to move forward and didn't want to wait too much longer. Um, but on the other hand, I had a lot of nervousness about, you know, what the future could look like. And, you know, if I'm having this horrendous issue with neck pain and instability in my joints now, what's what's that going to look like? And that was kind of, you know, snowballed based on going off the pill. Could uh, yes. pregnancy or something else that kind of destabilizes my hormones cause more problems? So yeah, that, that was a, a big journey, just trying to make sure I felt like, yes, I can do this and, you know, get myself to a point where I'm stable enough to feel that I can manage my health. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. It is a big concern, isn't it? And obviously the pill can keep things, you know, those hormonal, um, keeping them stable can obviously help an awful lot um, for many of us. I know a lot of people can't take hormonal yeah. sort of treatments because they do the other, they make things even worse. So <laughs> it's very, very individual. Okay, but you found that confidence. So that brings me on to my next question. If you did have concerns, how did you get the reassurance and the confidence to sort of go ahead? Okay, I, I would, that. yeah, I would, I would say for me, um, what it came down to was finding, you know, physically what was going to help me best manage uh, my body. Um, you know, I was still so fixated on what I had done in the past that had worked and trying to let go of like, well, this isn't working anymore. And what is, what does the new, new routine look like for me? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and actually kind of finding, stumbling into your program is really kind of what helped get me in the right direction. Um, oh, you know, I'd gone through a lot of failed physical therapy. I had tried to do, you know, traditional workouts that I had done in the past that worked and, and your program really was kind of the first thing that got me into a different mindset of realizing, you know, my nervous system is probably the biggest factor that's playing into this and the lack of progress I was making. And once I focused on that, that kind of empowered me and kind of gave me back confidence that, you know, things are going to look different and I might not be doing the same things I did in the past, but I can take care of myself. And in a mm. lot of ways, I think I feel better than I did before. Oh, that's it's just amazing. a new normal I've had to kind of, kind of adopt. Yes. 
Oh, that's amazing. Well, I'm so glad that, you know, the Zebra Club helped you in that way. And yeah, um, yeah you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes we're just going to have a different normal, aren't we? You know, things are not always going to be the same. Um, and we just have to adapt to that. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't do lots of great things um, because, you know, you're going to stay strong doing the right things. But, the, you know, the right things are going to change from maybe what we were doing before. Fantastic. Thank you. OK, so we were just talking about hormones. So due to these hormonal changes that take place during pregnancy, Many people with EDS experience an increase in the number and severity of their symptoms. And there are also issues specific to pregnancy and birth that can present additional challenges. So did you face or are you facing these additional challenges due to being pregnant? Um, who would like to start us off? Katie? Yeah, go for it. Um, I think the biggest challenge I had when I was pregnant was during the first trimester, I had hyperemesis. Um, so I was vomiting. sorry, Katie. Could you say so that? I was vomiting like six to eight times a day. Oh like, gosh. Oh, that's like, awful. Yes. Ended up in the ER from dehydration. Right. Um, and they finally got me on a medication that helped, but yes. that was probably the hardest for me that during is. pregnancy. Um, and the fatigue. So that led up during the second trimester, but I was just exhausted the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Interestingly, yeah. like a lot of my pain got better when I was pregnant. Um, specifically, I get like the cervicogenic headaches, I think from shoulder tension. Yeah. So I yeah. think the relaxin might have <laughs> helped me. In. Yeah. So I had like yes. maybe two headaches the whole time I was pregnant, which was like incredible because I was really worried getting pregnant that I wouldn't be able to take my migraine meds. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't need them. <laughs> yes. Um, which was also going back to that previous question, I had a physical therapist that specializes in EDS and has EDS herself. And she told me that she felt better during pregnancy and kind of encouraged me that it's possible yeah. <laughs> and able Absolutely. your EDS can do well in pregnancy. Absolutely. Not necessarily yeah. bad. Yeah. That's amazing, Katie, because I've written, um, I'd taken some notes just thinking about this and I've written down that during pregnancy, I actually enjoyed it yeah. and felt better as well. So that's what I'm just trying to get across that I was so concerned and so worried about being pregnant. I hadn't thought about post-pregnancy at Same. all. Same. And I really enjoyed it. And I do think it's partly down to the Zebra Club because I was able to, you know, strengthen and learn how to be more mindful and, you know, the new normal, as we say. Um, I don't know if it would have been as enjoyable if I hadn't had like the classes yeah. but the, what else was good for me by the third trimester I was retaining more fluid so my pots was so much better mm -hmm. because I didn't feel like that dehydration um and when I spoke to my pot specialist he told me I would feel great by the third trimester and I did yeah. I really did I didn't I thought I was going to have more hip pain um I thought I was going to have more pelvic pain and really I managed right up to the end to do exercise and go for a walk and I love I did I loved it um and I don't think my body didn't cope the way other people like a person that doesn't have EDS I think I was enjoying it as much as other people do mm -hmm. and uh so that's definitely a mm -hmm. positive 
Absolutely. Um, and something that I hadn't quite realized was going to happen. Yeah. That's I do want to say that, I do want to say I got pregnant while I was doing the strengthening your hip mobile core. I was part of that trial. Yes. And that kind of helps me start to realize, wow, I can strengthen. I haven't been doing exercises right. So there is some hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and all those, I think, and, you know, the, the ladies who have been in the Zebra Club or that course being pregnant, you can see how so many of those classes are pregnancy safe. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we adjust them. We need a pregnancy wedge after the first trimester, of course. Um, but, you know, so much of it is safe. You know, you could give those to any pregnant lady, actually, with or without EDS. Um, yeah. Um, Angeline, did you want to comment on that, the hormonal aspect? Um it was just when I was reading your question and mm. I had taken some notes in about the birth and additional challenges with my first. Yes. Yes. Um, I had a really terrible labour and I wonder now if it was related to my hypermobility. Um, I was four days in labour with her and oh, I had an emergency stop. C-section by general anaesthetic. Yeah. Wow. Um, and because my waters broke on the first day, by day four... I was almost set, almost going through, almost going through sepsis. So um, my womb was full of infection, which caused them to take me to theatre, like run down the corridor, general anaesthetic, knock out, not awake for her being born, all the rest of it. Um, and then when I came round, I was on like, really strong antibiotics and in hospital for longer to try and clear the infection. Yeah. Um, but then after that, my wound when she when I got home and she was eight days old I woke up during the night and my wound had burst open mm. and yes. there was blood all over my pajamas but then yeah. now I'm learning that the healing of the scars can be an issue with hypermobility oh, yes. and I, ha- I had an issue with my second pregnancy because I had a, a cesarean with him and I had a, a nightmare with my scar healing I was still on antibiotics when he was six weeks old yes so it's, it's quite interesting, interesting just yeah. just you know um yeah. but yeah it's horrible <laughs> yeah that is interesting you bring up the scars because the next podcast that's coming out um is all about scar tissue and mm. our condition so what we should be doing to look after our scar tissue but yes we poor wound healing obviously after a c-section same thing happened to me. I had a C-section with my first child and that also opened up. And again, mm. I didn't know anything about this at that time. So, um, but yes, very, very common um, for us to have those issues. So I think, that, yes. I was just going to jump in, sorry. Yeah. I'm yes, talking to no, go for it, go for it. It's just, oh, it was all in my head. So <laughs> and Angeline, like literally carbon copy, um, apart from I it didn't turn into sepsis so I didn't get a general anaesthetic I ended up with a spinal but I was in labour for three days three and a half days um but what I would say is that through the EDS community and the EDS society I came across a lady who used to be a midwife that has HEDS and she was kind of she was with me the whole kind of process and when they told me I was getting an emergency section she told David to tell the surgeon not like the type of stitches to use um, because they don't normally like use stitching that I don't know they didn't glue me together they stitched it together and had to pull it out and Mm. that's not normal that's so for me mine stuck together and it was like a stronger 
kind of um, stitch, which I think we kind of need because of our, you know, our connective yes. tissue, our joint, our, our yes. muscle and things. I'm yeah. still over eight months, but, you know, it, I didn't have the problems you were saying, and I think it's the type of stitching really helped yeah. me. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And of I course, do, the way... Yes, sorry. Carry I just want to that. talk about birth, like with EDS, because yes. I think for me going into labor, I was really scared. Um, and I did the online class with the Positive Birthing Company, which I think is a British yeah. uh, company that really helped me um, to like focus on positive birth stories. Yes. And it helped calm down. <laughs> it helped me calm down a little bit because I was in they have a Facebook group that just shared positive stories. And I know they're not EDS specific. Yes. But yeah, also no. I, I got I got lucky in labor. Um I was in labor for 16 hours. Um I pushed for like half an hour. Wow. I had an epidural that was effective and worked. Yes. Yes. Um right. and then like I had a second degree tear, which yeah. did took a little while to heal, but yeah. Just like, I feel like it's important to also like, I'm the, the hard birth stories can really scare you, but they're yeah. not all hard, I guess. No, absolutely. Absolutely right. You know, and I think it's not just people with EDS that are scared of labor because yeah. it's a new unknown, isn't it? I think every woman pretty much goes into that process a little bit anxious about what's coming up because we have no idea. Um, yeah. But, you know, we all get through it, don't we? You know, we're all, we've all come out the other end. And the body is very good at helping you forget, you know, how challenging that was that, and the pain that might have been involved for that. Otherwise, you'd never do it again, would you? You know, you'd be like, <laughs> once is enough. I'm not doing that again. Um, so, yeah. Um, no, very positive. You know, obviously challenging for, for us, but um, very, very positive and um, experiences um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, and we don't want Kelly to, to be freaking out about <laughs> what's coming up for her. Do you, have, um, do you have a birthing plan, Kelly? Have you got that far yet? I do. So I, I've, I'm the type of person that probably, you know, uh, exposes myself to almost too much information. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and, mm. um, you know, one of them being the evidence-based birth podcast. So that's kind of really helped well, a lot of my angst, just knowing like what can actually happen, what the spectrum of things that can happen looks like um, and what's right for me and what I can plan for that may or may not happen. Um, yes. So I do, I do have preferences. I hired a doula and I'm going to work with her to kind of set up my birth preferences. Yeah. Um, but knowing like I can't control what's actually going to happen at the end of the day and yeah. just being prepared for that. And as much as yeah. I want to try and, you know, have an intervention free birth and, um, you know, just kind of let nature take its course, knowing that my body might have other plans and there might be interventions that are that are necessary in that moment. Yeah. And that's yeah, like, fine I, too. That's fine yeah. too, right? If that yeah. happens. Yeah. Exactly. I have a, you don't if this doesn't suit, but I could share it. I have a EDS kind of birth like EDS focus focus birthing plan that just has a couple of like not alerts, but just things to kind of let the midwife know yeah. that could maybe be different um, that I had with me. I found really useful. You can adapt it. You can change it. It just gave me peace of mind that at a glance, they know, like, you know, um, there's certain sort of things like don't 
put my hips too far out and you know right. up in stirrups because I can tear things like that yeah. just like little alerts that you can add in or remove that really just gave me a little bit of comfort um to the burden plan but as you're saying you know you can't control it and if you just right. you relax and go with it the better really yeah yeah, yeah I've been yeah. listening to um there's a, a app I found called gentle birth uh, and it has a lot of like daily meditation exercises and that's been yeah. really nice too just to get myself into that kind of calm place of focus yeah, yeah. absolutely and that's started, so important so I started important. breathing yeah to, like when I would have Braxton Hicks I would just practice the breathing and I think that really helps too when yeah. I went in later yeah fantastic thank you ladies very good so let's talk about um the pregnancy and the postnatal period um so obviously we know the female hormones, the relaxing, they're going to make our joints even more lax than what they might have been. Um, so did you go and see a specialist physiotherapist? Did you have issues with things like pelvic girdle pain, SI joint pain, pubic symphysis? These are all the things that I know are very, very common in the hypermobile um, pregnant population. I certainly had pelvic girdle pain but nobody knew what it was um, when I was pregnant um, and I was living in Japan at the time as well when I was pregnant so all the communication issues were very very difficult so I was just told to wear a belt and that was it really um, but um, so yeah pelvic girdle pain SI joint pain pubic symphysis have we had any experience of that yeah Angeline, do you want to, is that your hand up? Is that in your yes. hand? Yes, go for it. Um, quite a lot. <laughs> As I said, I didn't realise I was hypermobile until my second pregnancy, but in my first in 2008, um, PGP kicked in, or they called it SPD at the time, Yeah. kicked in at 30 weeks and it was pretty bad. Um, I ended up off work, signed off work early because of it. But like you say, like at the time, like people don't, they, they didn't know what to do with it. So I remember being referred to the physio and believe it or not, still to this date, I'm still waiting on a letter coming in for an appointment. Really? I never, ever, ever received an appointment. So, oh my um, gosh. And that's what, so, four years ago? No, so that's <laughs> 13 years ago. 13 years ago? That was my, my first child. <gasps> I mean, I can actually oh laugh gosh. at it now, but... Wow. Uh, it's just horrendous when I think about how much I struggled um, physically and mentally. So that was my first. Um, but after birth, it went. So right, I didn't yes. think anything of it. And it wasn't yeah. really talked about. So that was that. But then I did worry that if I had more, then I would suffer from it again. And um, But I didn't really prepare myself because I didn't know I was hypermobile. I didn't really know much about it. I didn't really have... Mm. a name it did have yes. STD but it, you know I just was so ill-equipped and then when I had my second it was absolutely horrific so at 14 weeks it kicked in and it was literally brutality until the end of the break so, like I can't even like I'm, I still have it I still have yeah. pelvic girdle pain um I am actually a volunteer for the Pelvic Partnership, which is a charity that helps mm -hmm. ladies with pelvic girdle pain. So yes. um, I volunteer for them because I'm so passionate about help, helping other yeah. ladies that suffer with this because I know firsthand how horrendous it is. Yeah. Um, I've got a really good physio and I get um, manual therapy. 
but I'm actually now going to see a Cairo and I'm hoping the combination of both of them will help get me on a better track. Yeah. Um, and I'm also going to see like a foot, going to see someone in a foot and leg clinic to check to check like my foot biomechanics mm-hmm. um, because I think that that's feeding up the way. But I'm sure. still like, you know, the pain is you know I'm on like quite strong meds, pregabalin, codeinol, I take ibuprofen, I sleep with a pillow between my legs still, and my second is to, uh, four and a half. Um, I've got like a heated blanket that I put around me because it's now like sort of spreading up. I've started the Zebra Club. There's like, there's, I've spent a fortune in TENS machine. Uh, I've got this that I sit at my desk, deep, deep heat that I put on the left SI joint. Like I could literally write a book about it. Um, so it was a massive part of my second pregnancy and I was just crippled like really yeah. badly and they wouldn't give me crutches because they said my core was so weak that the crutches would just weaken my core even more. Oh. So they didn't want to, they didn't want to. But um, yeah, a lot of experience with PGP and yeah. still still suffering with it. Oh, I'm sorry, Angeline. So, but it's just, you know, not everyone has no. that experience, but I think no, of course. like we know a lot more about PGP now. We've got the public partnership out there. They do a lot of amazing work yeah. and it's great because you know, for me to sit here and share my experience, then brilliant, because if someone else is in that position and they hear that, then they're not alone. Yeah, you that's know, a really good alone. point. Yeah. So, yeah, the pel- if anyone is, is listening to that, then it sounds like the Pelvic Partnership is a good website to go and have a look at um, if you want some specific guidance on that. So thank you, Angeline. Anyone if- else having those issues or had those issues? Any any sort of tips for anyone listening on how to deal with that? Yeah. I mean, I had some specifically SI pain and then some round ligament pain, but I think what helped me the most, I was seeing a chiropractor regularly um, mm. who's trained in the Webster technique. So they don't, right. she doesn't do like the big manipulations or anything, but it's more like yeah. small, gentle movements to help realign the pelvis. And that helped yes. a ton. Yeah. And then I had a, a belly band specifically like for going, when we went for walks and then an SI belt but um, I'm still kind of dealing with the SI pain postpartum and I kind of wished that I had been more active during my pregnancy to kind of keep the muscles up yeah. just because we're so tired I didn't yes. do as much as I would have liked so and it's really important whether you're sort of prenatal or postnatal or if you're not at all and you just happen to have SI joint or um, pubic symphysis issues, is that any kind of exercise you do, any an SI joint instability, um, we've got to keep the pelvis as one piece. So basically, you don't want to be doing any exercise where your legs are going in opposite directions, you know, maybe like scissors or leg circles or um, lunges. And so that kind of thing. Um, even something like, you know, knee drops where you might, you know, obviously doing a knee drop where you're lying on your back and one leg goes out to the side, that can cause some shearing on the back. So thinking, starting to think, okay, what can I do where I can keep my pelvis as one piece? And there's loads and loads we can do. But while you're going through that, and certainly if you're struggling at the moment, really think even something like cycling is obviously going to 
make your legs work in different directions. So that might not be appropriate. Swimming might not be appropriate. So there's lots of exercise considerations we need to think about when we're dealing with pelvic girdle pain. And I wish I'd known that, you know, 18 years ago. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know anything. Um, so, okay, good. And um, Kelly, you're, you're not experiencing anything like that? Your, your pelvis is um. My SI joint has definitely been bothering me. Um, I would say that's been since probably almost six weeks. It, it hasn't, it's been manageable. Um, and I do have nights where, you know, I'll wake up 10 times a night having to roll over to the other side because my hip is aching so badly. It'll mm -hmm. wake me up. Um, but yeah, like I've noticed even just some of the class work where, you know, like the knee lifts, um, mm -hmm. things like that. I have to be very careful. I can't, I can't do anything where I'm straining that. I have to almost yeah. keep my pelvic tucked a little bit because yeah. even just like the, the back, I just, that tiniest bit of arch that I naturally yeah. have, it just doesn't, doesn't yeah. feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely adjusting our exercises for sure. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. And I, I would say for me, in addition to, in addition to my pelvis, it's really, I've noticed in the last probably four to six weeks, um, my core just feels extremely weak and I feel like I'm really starting to feel those muscles separate and even just sitting up off the couch, it's like I have to roll to my side a little bit to, to yeah. deal with that. But I'd say that's almost becoming more problematic than my, than my hips. Well, everything's obviously stretching, isn't it? At the yeah. front of the body. So, um, yeah. Um, but, you know, again, afterwards, adjusting our exercise postnatally so that we encourage those muscles to come back together. Yeah. Um, there's lots you can do there as well to bring that back. So, yes. Um, Lorna, did you want to say something? Yeah, I was actually going to say, I'm sitting here like I don't have any problems. I actually did suffer from <laughs> <laughs> I was actually sore during pregnancy, but sometimes I think our threshold is much higher mm -hmm. than other mm -hmm. people. Yeah. So probably around week 16, and I think I messaged Eugenie, I was getting like kind of pain in the left-hand side, like the left-hand side of my pelvis. Yes. Yeah, I and remember. It's still, it still is there to this day. And what I find is the cold weather is starting to kind of target. Like as the weather changes, I'm feeling that's kind of getting a bit sore, a bit numb again. Yeah. And also based on like my cycle and my hormone level, mm -hmm. like if it's kind of, around the time I'm due to yeah. have a period, I'm so sore. I can't do anything that doesn't keep my pelvis together. Yeah. And then it kind of passes a week later. Yeah. I find if I do exercise or your classes where I'm separating one leg up at that yeah. time, I it's really sore. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not yeah. sure if it's the hormone level that's causing the pain. Yeah. My yeah. hands get worse. Um, if it makes you feel any better, mine's is worse around my period time. But what I would say to you is, if you go on the Pelvic Partnership website, um, mm -hmm. there's a list of practitioners that are recommended by everyone that has, so you have to phone in and they need to have two people recommend the person in order okay. for them to be put on the list. So you can go on there and you can check the list and see if there's someone, if you want to go for treatment, if you feel like you've still got a niggle, because mm -hmm. in my experience, like get anything checked out because it, it won't go away on its own and there, might, there could be an instability or something there um but yeah go on the public partnerships let's go into the, the wealth of information on the website um but it might be beneficial for you or not yeah thank yeah. you I'll do it. good so yeah thank you ladies so 
we've kind of had we've kind of moved into that sort of pain management strategies haven't we Mm. so chiropractors um, seeing specialists for you know pain Um, does anyone else have any other sort of pain management ideas so people who might be struggling with musculoskeletal pain during pregnancy did anyone have I think we mentioned TENS machines and Mm. any anyone got anything else that people are like wow I never thought of that Heat, I used obviously. a yo-yo bottle. I don't know if you heard the yo-yo bottle. A no. yo-yo bottle? Yo-yo, Y-U, no. Y-U. So it's no. like a long, um, it's normally not far from me. It's like a long um, hot water bottle. And oh, I've seen If you those. saw it, yeah. And, yeah, and they look amazing. Tire. Yeah, it's really good. But some people prefer um, cold water, you know, when they're sore. Yeah. And even with PGP, for example, but heat helps me. So I fill it up with hot water and then you just, instead of, you get more coverage. So it goes like right around your waist yeah. or wherever you've nice. got to it might be up here and you can tie it. So yes. I can walk about and be at my desk and get up yes. and go and get oh. something and not have to like hold on to this. So yeah. why you, why you, you, you bottle, that's really good. I, I, yes. I wouldn't be without that. I love it. <laughs> I saw those the other week actually. And I thought that looks really interesting. Yeah, it's so brilliant. That's, that's good to know. Fabulous. We seem to have lost Kelly. Hopefully she'll be back. I'm, I'm still here. My video oh, just got out. Ah, that's all right. There we go. Okay. So um, we've talked a little bit and, um, you know, you've been mentioning sort of the Zebra Club and which is brilliant. I'm so glad that's been helping during pregnancy. So my other question was, have you been able to exercise during your pregnancy or were you able to exercise? Um, and was this an important aspect of your health? during your pregnancy. So who would like to kick us off about exercising? I can start. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, it's made a big difference for me. Um, What I try to stay most consistent with is walking, uh, going for at least, you know, at least a 20 minute walk. You know, there's some days where I can, I can get in two, two and a half miles. There's other days where it takes all of my energy to get out the door, but even just trying to get in a five to 10 minute walk on those days, um, because the weeks that I've kind of succumbed to just, oh, I'm too tired, I'm going to just lay on the couch, that's usually when I end up feeling my worst. Mm. Um, so while it's so tempting in the moment when I'm just exhausted to not do anything, it's just, I, I always know after the fact, it's just, it's not going to serve me well. So really keeping moving um, regularly has helped. Um, you know, focusing on, on what exercise classes I can still do. Um, just making sure that I'm keeping my body moving as much as possible while still kind of being mindful of, you know, where my bandwidth is now and how much I do need to take time to rest. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Lorna? I was, my notes say the exact same thing. I was going (laughs) for a, a daily walk up until 41 weeks. So I try to go for a walk every day and the days you're tired and the days you want to lie about are the days that it's good to do just something. It doesn't have to be anything big. But like Kelly's saying, I would feel worse if I just lay about. Um, I also would do, I would adapt the classes um, that I was doing as the bump got bigger or heavier. Um, but just making sure that I'm using the whole body and not focusing on too much like one area I would need to maybe work my arms or maybe do my legs or my neck. It's good to just do a variety. Otherwise, you yeah. know, you focus too much on one area and it doesn't help. But yes, I also think 
that doing it during pregnancy is vital for after pregnancy because I think you're going to bounce back I would say quicker but for people with HEDS we, we don't bounce back quickly I would say it's a slow process but it's, it's definitely one that we can you know we can move forward in but if you're not doing that during pregnancy and you're kind of deconditioned then I think after is going yeah. to be really yeah. difficult because I was yes. pretty strong during my pregnancy and I still felt pretty weak after it um, so I couldn't imagine not having that kind of strength and stability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that's really, really, really important for me was mindfulness and breathing. Yeah. Um, I found doing that even helped give me energy. Just doing like breathing helped kind of the blood flow. Uh, especially I got, I found it difficult to breathe as the bump got bigger. So yeah. just like breathing into the back and a kind of small twist around the kind of rib and shoulders mm -hmm. really helped yeah. me. Um, just stay nice. a bit more relaxed. Yeah, I was going to ask if um, hands up who does sort of. Oh, I've seen a little cat in the background. <laughs> he looks. He looks like a cat <laughs> version of my dog. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's Winnie. Um, so hands up who did, who does or did um, sort of mindfulness or meditation as part of their calming of their nerve. Ah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, so important, isn't it? To just, I did a lot of yoga actually, which in hindsight, you know, as I say, I didn't have a clue about any of this back then, but I did yoga all through my first pregnancy, probably wasn't the best thing to be doing. Although the, the, the thing I love about yoga, obviously, is the calm, the meditation yeah. side of it, but I'm not sure all the stretching and end of range things were probably yeah. the best thing for me to be doing at that time, but um, <laughs> you know. Definitely something I should highlight actually along the whole, like along the process, like the pregnancy process, I was constantly advised or offered to go to baby, uh, to go to yoga, to go to Pilates. Um, this is the best thing to do when you're pregnant. But, but you know, I know my condition, I've, I've, I've learned yeah. about it. So for those who are hypermobile, have HEDS, like you're saying, I don't think stretching is the best thing we mm -hmm. can be doing, especially when we're pregnant. So it's just being strong enough to tell, you know, like the professionals who who right. advise, like people that don't have our condition, um, this the same thing they advise us, go to yoga, do this, do that. Mm. It's just being able to not take that advice all the time and do what's best. You know, you know your body. Yeah. Um, I found the whole way along I was having to kind of say, no, that doesn't suit or no, I won't do that. Or sometimes just kind of keep my mouth shut but not do it. Um, right. Even with some of the physio the lady I saw at the physio just it's a shame but she she wasn't going to help me so I just kind of smiled and then yeah. you know I know what's going to help and what's not mm. um so stretching won't help and then also giving you like a number so you should be doing 10 squats you should do as many as you feel you might do two today or three tomorrow yes. when you're told to do 10 three times a day that's that's also not the best for us we should just do what we feel works on that day and listen to our bodies and just kind of step back from some of the advice that we're given because it's not always yeah. going to work that's yeah. why I learned yeah yeah I, I have to say I feel yeah. I feel very very fortunate that I learned about everything right before conceiving because I think I could have had it a completely different experience and mm -hmm. who knows if I would have found out that I had EDS promptly who who knows what I might have blamed things on that was mm -hmm. just 
pregnancy related versus what was specific to me. So I, I think I'm in a, a much better position having so much knowledge about it now. Absolutely. Knowledge is power, right? If we know about yeah. it, if we're aware, we can, we can prepare for it. Um, so yes. And, you know, sadly, you know, we, we know that there's a lack of awareness in the health professional world, in the medical world about this condition anyway. So you can imagine with pregnancy, that's going to be the same thing that still we don't have enough people who really know how does EDS affect a body and how does it affect a body in pregnancy? Um, so yeah, unfortunately we're going to come up against those obstacles. Um, the EDS society actually has really good information on yeah. um, pregnancy and how it impacts the body. And I always had a copy of that and I would either hand it to, you know, my midwife or email it into good. a hospital and it, it's okay if they don't read it or it's okay if they don't know anything about it. They just need to listen to you. And yeah. Yeah. that's kind of much more helpful. That's yeah. a great tip. I, great tip. I think, I think that's what I've struggled with as practitioners that aren't willing to say, I don't know. They want to pretend that they know and they want to convince you that what they know is right. And you know, I had a provider that was using way outdated EDS terminology and then trying to convince me that what she was recommending was the right thing to do. And I just... It's hard because you don't you you don't want to be combative, but you do want to you know you want to you want to advocate for yourself and you want to help educate them. And it's yeah, yeah. Pregnancy hormones and stress into the mix. It's hard to have you know a clear conversation a lot of times about it. Yes. Yeah. One thing I did do was print out some like research review papers about mm -hmm. eating pregnancy yeah. that specifically helped when I went into labor like my labor nurse had never heard of EDS but she took the time to like skim through and kind of read the paper and was able to kind of help me more and like she suggested an epidural because I was starting to get because precipitous labor is one of the risks right. with EDS and so she kind of helped encourage an epidural and it helped me like slow down and settle and kind of relax enough to progress yeah uh, so I got really lucky with that nurse who was willing to listen. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I actually changed hospital that I gave birth in purely down to the fact that the one that was closer to me and the kind of bigger, all singing, all dancing hospital, I, they didn't listen. They, they yeah. weren't listening to me and it was causing so much anxiety that I ended up, I had a chat with Medulla who recommended a different hospital. And as soon as I made that decision to change, I felt so relaxed because they were so accommodating. They would ask yeah. me to come in and have a chat and they took my birthing plan and they handed it around the midwife so they all kind of knew about me. In fact, every time I phoned, they'd be like, hi, Lorna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you have choice and I think it's all about just be making yourself feel relaxed. You just don't need that extra anxiety. You're going right. in to have a baby. That's enough, I think. Yeah. So, right, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of going through that myself right now. I'm in the midst of finishing my care through 28 weeks and then I'm going to be switching to another provider at yep. the recommendation of my doula. So yeah, that's yeah. the same as me. That's what I did. Yeah. And I felt so much better. I was so happy with the choice. I went into, right when I found out I was pregnant, I went into one of our local EDS Facebook groups and just asked for OBIP recommendations. So I went into it, at least with the doctor that was aware the VDS and it yeah. had an EDS yes. before. And so right. he was, he was pretty helpful. And like, it's like, okay, we need to do your cervical checks for, you know, 12 to 24 weeks, every two weeks. Like he was aware of the risks yeah. of preterm labor and yeah. 
eating everything. Oh, wow. So yeah. Some really good yeah, advice was... there. Really good advice. Thank you, ladies. So yeah, that's really useful, I think, for anyone listening who might be going through this right now. So thank you. So um, we've talked already actually about labor and our C-sections and you know different things. Does anyone have anything to add about the labor? It's I know Kelly, obviously you you've got this to look forward to. Yet. Um, <laughs> but you know, Actually, sorry, I was going to say, every story is so different, and Kelly, I would do it again, although at the time it was yeah. difficult, but I, the same as Angelina, although it was days, I just feel we're such warriors, I know I've said that, and I keep mm. saying it, I feel like we're so strong um, as individuals that I managed to do the the, the whole of my labour with no pain medication. Yeah. I would I do it again? Maybe. I just did it with my husband and with breathing up until the point I needed a cesarean section, which was unfortunate, but, you know, can't plan it if, if my baby right. girl didn't want to come out. But what? Um, but I found that, you know, as long as you've got that support network around you and people listening, then we, we can do it. Like, we, yeah, there should be no reason why somebody with our condition has kind of any other experience. Um I think it, we can just go through it like normal. Yeah. Apart from if you don't know if you've got it, but if you suspect, then it's definitely something to kind of look into. Yeah. No, yeah. oh, in yeah. some ways we're conditioned. We're conditioned better for it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We are used to fighting, aren't we? And uh, being very strong, um, we have to be. So, yeah. yeah. So, what about postnatally then? So, coming home with baby, brand new baby. Um, we've now got a feed, we've got a bathe, we've got a change nappies. How did that go? Do you remember how that was? How did you look after yourself with all that sort of forward flexion, shoulders up to ears, lack yeah. of sleep? Yeah. <laughs> that was, remember? Yeah, that was the hardest of the whole thing. Like I was so worried about labor. <laughs> like I, we prepared, we took classes for labor, but I had no idea what it was going to be like after we brought her home. And yeah. I think that was the hardest probably time of my life. Um, honestly, like we had, I had um, feeding issues. Like I wasn't producing enough milk. We were having latching issues. Like we were during a pandemic, so we couldn't really no. see, <sighs> like I saw lactation consultant on Zoom, which helped some. Yes. And so I like that. I think that also kind of fed into, I got some postpartum depression no sleep <laughs> and then the pain because I think I deconditioned like when I was talking about like I wish I had exercised and strengthened way more during my pregnancy because the first few months after I continued to decondition more because I'm just like sitting under a baby all day <laughs> pretty much um yeah, yeah I think yeah. I wish I had it was also winter during the pandemic so we didn't really we weren't able to like get out and go for walks and stuff but like that's the biggest thing I wish I'd done was gotten more active sooner. Yeah. Uh, can I just step in and say you maybe that's something that you feel might have helped from my experience. I stayed really active, felt a really strong, and honestly, I felt like it has it didn't make that much of a difference. See what mm -hmm. you describe? I had the same. It, I think it just our hormones. It just mm -hmm. hit, it hit me sideways I did not expect it to 
yeah. be that hard, that sore. I really found post-pregnancy traumatically difficult. Yeah. Sorry, Kayla, not, not, not. No, I'm kind of bracing myself for it already. I just wasn't prepared for it. I found, I found it difficult that I couldn't feed Ruby, look after Ruby as much as I wanted to. And that kind of just mentally, I kind of spiraled as well. Yeah. And I reached out to the EDS Society to get kind of help um, from a kind of therapist point of view to be able to manage the overwhelming sense of failure. Yeah. Um, and I think it may be around week 12 was when I started to enjoy having Ruby with me before that. I found it very difficult. I just was like, I, I just had no stability. I couldn't even lift my leg off the floor. My hips were like, everything felt like jelly. And um, the more I stressed about it, the more it impacted me. So I think if you get yourself wound up and anxious and stressed, it makes everything worse. It's worse. Much your energy that you don't have. And I, I did that. I was really hard on myself. So I've learned a lot yeah. during the next time I do it. And we were yeah. through the pandemic, so I was trying to do like breastfeeding on a Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. My shoulders were too weak to hold Ruby. I couldn't yeah. sleep because my shoulders and my hip were sore. So when Ruby was sleeping and my husband was sleeping, I was awake. So, yeah, I, I find this is the part I just I want to make people aware because I wasn't I wasn't aware how difficult it was going to be. Same. You yeah. same? Yeah. Were you the I same? Mean, difficult isn't it for I think for all new mums um but you know and you guys going through a pandemic at the same time incredibly hard and like mm -hmm. you say not able to reach out and actually see people and but um you know something you I said Lorna about being that feeling of failure failure um, you know of course so so not I mean can you look back now and say and see that that's just not the case how amazing you are that you did I look back and I think I was amazing how on earth I'm not good enough I'm not good enough but what I found as well which is really good to kind of let you know Kelly and, and things like that I really struggled with the feeding um yeah. just from a kind of EDS yeah. and POTS perspective it was making me ill because I was expressing and that was taking so many of my calories and I was getting dehydrated and I was trying to manage my dehydration with electrolytes and it just wasn't working and it was spiraling, spiraling. So we made the decision to maybe like, I don't know if it was like three months, I stopped, I stopped with the breastfeeding and she moved over to formula, which again was a very difficult decision. Yeah, for me. right there with you. But when my milk stopped, that's when everything was worse. So when the milk stopped, it was another hormone change. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I just went again mm -hmm. um, and it took me ages. And I think it was the kind of EDS pot side that was more difficult. But when my milk stopped, I stopped feeding. There was another dip. So it's just mm -hmm. to kind of raise awareness that that can happen. I think when the milk yes. stops, the hormones yeah. change again. Yeah, they I do. prepared for that. So that hit me. Yeah. I had heard about wow. that. So I was able to, I weaned off because I was exclusively pumping. And me too. Me too. So we just couldn't, but um. I had weaned off like really slow, like decreasing pumping sessions. Okay. Really, yeah, really slowly. Cause I was warned about, I was just afraid of depression increasing because I was well, I like, you can have weaning depression or. Yeah, that definitely hit me. I would say I probably fall under something like that. I found it so difficult. I had lots of family and friends telling me 
it's not working, like the expression's not working. This is, for my health, they could see how much it was kind of yeah. draining me and I wasn't getting to enjoy time with Ruby. Yeah. Because I was so tired. Yeah. So but I was like, it has to be your own decision and when you're ready. So yeah. It's, yeah, and I, it kind of pains me now, but it was the right decision. And she's absolutely fine. So, of course. Yep. Of course she is. My husband, my therapist, my doctor all had to tell yep. me to stop. And what? <laughs> to, <laughs> that formula is okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And do you know what? Like, I didn't breastfeed either of my kids, and that was a choice. Like, I just, when I had my first, I just didn't want to. Like, I, it just wasn't, it didn't feel right for me. Yeah, it just didn't feel right for me. Um, and then with my second, it was the same. So if there's people out listening that are think are thinking the same and they're just not keen on breastfeeding or they've tried it and it's given, you know, they're having a hard time with it, then like all this crap about breast is best. We've moved on from that. Yeah. I fed babies best. Like as long as you're looking after your baby and your baby's got everything it needs, then don't get yourself caught up on it because my two are fine. <laughs> I can tell you what, my two are fine. I've never had a drop of breast milk in their life. So, you know, but I'm not against breastfeeding. Don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely not. But for me, for some reason in my gut, I don't know. It just didn't feel like something I wanted to do. And so I just went with like what I felt. Yeah, totally admire that. I think when it comes to breastfeeding, with our condition, the midwives, um, the health visitors, they don't understand the fact that my shoulders are so sore, are so mobile. I can't even hold a teeny. She was a small baby. I can't hold her. I'm up here. I'm sore. I'm not relaxed. Ruby's crying. I'm crying. Like, that's not, that's no. not fun. Um, no. And also... I struggled with nipple pain and I think again with EDS and hormones we can suffer from that and it just it was just you know it was unnecessary strain on my health I think yeah. had I maybe made the decision that you made Angeline yeah. or knew the impact to my health I probably wouldn't have put myself through mm -hmm. that and I probably won't do it again but again personal choice. Same. Exactly. Oh, thank thank you. you. You know and you know what we're like certainly you know a lot of people I meet are perfectionists in yep. this community. And so we just, need, we, just, we just need something else to beat ourselves up again about, right? And we feel we're not good enough. And like you say, we're a failure. You know, I, my second son, I, <clears throat> I gave up breastfeeding very, very quickly. I think after a month, it just didn't, like Angeline said, it didn't feel right. I was yeah. really struggling. He's absolutely fine. He's, you know... So I don't think we need anything else to beat ourselves up about. We're doing yeah. absolutely amazingly well. And, um, you know, look at what we've achieved, you know, bringing beautiful children into the world. So um, that's what's important. Um, I, now, I was just going to say, if I had another yeah. one, I would, I would not, I would probably go straight to formula, just yeah. from a perspective. Yeah, I would too. So very quickly, and I know it's a bit of a delicate subject, and if you, I know a couple of you have touched on it. If you don't want to talk about it, that's absolutely fine. But how has your sort of postnatally health, sort of mental health been? Um, how are you looking after that now? Um, I'm happy to chat. Yeah. Yeah, Thank I you. had um, postnatal depression my first, 
Um, I had the traumatic labour and I do wonder whether it played a part in it, but it kicked in when she was about three months old. Um, and thankfully, after about six months, I felt myself again. Um, but it, it then sort of led on to me being fragile. Well, more fragile from a mental health perspective. I think I'm just more aware of my mental health now. And I had a dip in 2013. Yep. And then in 2019 again. So I manage my mental health on a daily basis, but like my first experience of depression was postnatally. Mm. And it sort of like led me down a different path in life yeah. where like at the moment I'm on meds and have been for two and a half years, but I have absolutely no, like I'm so open about it. because I think that we've still, I know we've made a lot of progress, but we've still got a big stigma around mental health. Like yes. I don't care what anyone says, there definitely is still a stigma. And I think like people need to talk about it because yeah. like we all have physical health and we all have mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And like your physical health can be poor, but your mental health can be poor. And why is it bad if someone's mental health is poor? Like it shouldn't be. No. No. So um like yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to get it out there that people realise that, you know, it's not it's not something to bury your head in the sand about like the sooner right. you deal with it the better yeah. i completely agree and i think Very the well problem, said. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely the problem for me is that i felt so alone um but by mm. that i had so many people around me i just didn't have anyone that understood hedds i had my husband who was kind of more dealing with our baby but i did have him i felt like he was quite consumed on a new baby that i felt like my rock had been taken away a little bit and his time was, you know, his time was trying to help with the baby and I found that quite difficult because, you know, I wasn't getting his whole, like, kind of help and his whole attention. But um, what I found is that I felt so alone because nobody really understood what this condition was like post-pregnancy. And it got to the point where I felt like I just wanted to run away. So I reached out to the EDS Society mm -hmm. who gave me a name of somebody to kind of speak to. And that is that's when my mental health improved massively um, and the purpose of being a mum became so much clearer mm -hmm. and that I wasn't doing such a bad job. But like you're saying, Angeline, this is the first time I've ever felt like that and I resented my condition and I didn't want it. And the more I resented it and the more I didn't want it, the worse my condition got. And it was just a cycle um, of... I don't want to have this condition, I feel sore, I feel tired, I'm not good enough. And until I spoke to someone who understood me or could listen from like, you know, a perspective that wasn't my husband or my mum, then um, that's what helped me because my mum could say, you're doing great, but I didn't believe her. Or my husband say, you're doing great. And I was like, I just didn't believe them at the time. Yeah. So I would say I started again from like 12 weeks on is when really my mental health started to calm down a little bit. Mm. I got the help, I spoke to the doctor, I told my health visitor, I was really open with everybody involved. Um, but for me, I needed someone with an EDS knowledge and that's yeah. where I reached out to Dr. Chad Shepherd, who's part of the EDS Society. And he um, he's brought me on leaps and bounds. I can't thank him enough. Oh, fantastic. I'm sorry, I'm just looking at you, Kayleen, you're probably thinking. <laughs> <laughs> It just, I wasn't prepared for any of this. I didn't know. Um, had I known, I think I would have been more aware yeah. of options and stuff. So it's good to talk about because it, yeah. there's no point in hiding. 
hide them from it. Yeah, definitely. I, oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person I want to know the ugliest possible picture. So <laughs> you're not, you're not scaring me. But, like I love it. The best thing. I feel like I was born to be a mum. Like that, she is my absolute life. I'll bring her in to say hi. Oh, <laughs> she is gorgeous. Like, she's my life. When I have a bad day or I feel like rubbish, I just need to look at her. Oh. And I think I'm a good mum. But, you know, I had to go through those trials and challenges and seek help. And well, once that's I did, fine. That's yeah. absolutely fine. We all need help, don't we? And there's no shame in asking for help at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I had, a, I had a period. All. I had a period a few weeks ago where... I, I don't know if it was just a combination of everything where I had a lot going on with work. I wasn't feeling super energetic and just a lot of personal stuff going on. And my anxiety was just through the roof. And my boss, who I have a very close relationship with, just sat me down and was like, the most important thing right now is your health and the health of your baby. And if you need to cut workload, whatever you need to do, like you're pregnant, this is, you have hormones that are, you know, driving a lot of your behavior and you just got to let go. And be nice to yourself so yeah. very lucky to have people kind of talking to me in that perspective when I get in those moments yes. but yeah. I, definitely struggled. I definitely struggle with depression pretty a lot of my life and so I was aware of it going into my pregnancy and I think with the hyperemesis I struggled a lot early on with, mm-hmm. I guess prenatal depression <laughs> but my doctor mm-hmm. kept me on some medication some antidepressants throughout my pregnancy just because he was of the thought that like it's more important to have a healthy mom yeah. than the Absolutely. potential risk of medication. Um, yeah. But then like when a postpartum, I just was really struggling, um, feeling like a failure. My husband also was doing most of the childcare and he was also my rock. Um, but we had a, our, like a counselor that we saw a little bit before giving birth that kind of helped. And I was just able to talk to her after yeah. I think my husband had to be like, I think you need to talk <laughs> to Deb. Like, so like yeah. he had to tell me like something was going on. Like I, I was just, it's just hormones. It's just pregnancy hormones, but I think it was more. Right. Than that. Um, yeah. And she encouraged me to talk to my doctor and we increased medication, which definitely helped. Um, I think yeah. also I've gone back to work, which has helped like part-time, yeah. which helped a little bit just to kind of get into a routine again. Yes. Um, I think that. I was kind of just floundering with her and feeling like I wasn't doing a good job. And then my, when my, I was like terrified when my husband went back to work, yeah. <laughs> like oh, being yes. able to take care of her on my own. Yes. So I, I did remember it. that day. It was the first day when you're on your own with the baby. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> but oh. it, I think it's, it's very important to give yourself grace. I think, um, yeah. know that it's, you're not alone. Yes. We've got another guest joining Aww. us now. Here she is. Hi. Little Ruby. Oh. Um, who is a superstar. <laughs> hey, Ruby. <laughs> so there we go. This is. Get those big eyes. This is what it's all about, isn't it? Jump, jump, jump. We've heard how challenging it can be and sometimes, but also how wonderful it is. And, you know, there we go. We've got these beautiful children. She's always got lovely little tiaras and bows on. She's got <laughs> such a collection. She's so cute. <laughs> Hello. She's gorgeous. So See, We've got our Christmas bows on route, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, already. She's already into Christmas. 
we've, we've not worn them yet. I've just got them ordered. Oh, I can't. I'll look forward to seeing those. <laughs> hey, Ruby. Oh, oh, bless. So, you know, there's the evidence that it's, um, it's all worth it. Um, so just to round up, so thank, first of all, and, you know, I hope our listeners have enjoyed this, but thank you to all of you for being so open and honest and sharing, you know, bearing everything for us, really, um, really valuable information for anyone listening. Um, so let's just finish up and we'll just go around the room and we'll just see what are your thoughts, you know, anyone listening who's considering being pregnant or is pregnant now or is postnatal, what would you like to share with them <clears throat> to kind of, you know, finish finish this podcast? What would be your final thoughts to anyone listening? So Katie, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I was scared going into it, but worried that I can do it of all the risks, but I think you can do it and you're stronger than you think. Um, I also, I did the strengthen your hypermobile core. That was awesome. I wish I had joined the zebra club sooner. I started probably four months postpartum and I've noticed such improvement, um, just with calming my nervous system and strengthening. And I, um, if you can get into that program or a program like that sooner or throughout your pregnancy, um, highly recommend it. <laughs> oh, thank That's you. That's helped a lot. Brilliant. Thank you, Katie. Angeline, what would you like to, to say? Um, listen to your body. Like, that's a massive one for me. I didn't know I was hypermobile before I had both my kids, so I can't really comment from a preparing perspective. Um, and obviously, PGP is a massive one for me because postnatally I'm still suffering with it. So um, don't be afraid to reach out for help. Think of ways to make your life easier. Think of how you turn in bed. Think of how you get out of the car. Think of all these things. And see if you're standing, I always remember I was standing doing dishes and we didn't have a dishwasher at the time and it was excruciating. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Just don't do it because <laughs> your body is talking to you. Your body's telling you yeah. something. So listen no to it. Listen to your body. Yep. Get a cleaner if you need to, if you're in yep. a position where you can do. And, and just do whatever you need to do to make your life easier because, you know, you're preparing to either get pregnant or you're growing a human inside you. And you're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're amazing. Very so. nice. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. Uh, Kelly, what would you like to share? Yeah. I mean, as you said earlier, knowledge is power. Um, and it just everything is so individual. It's like if you really want to be pregnant, you really want to have kids, you can do it. Um, you just have to prepare yourself. You have to maybe make adjustments and get used to a new normal. But, you know, if you're proactive and you're um, diligent about not letting yourself decondition, you can absolutely, you know, you can get through anything. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Kelly. And Lorna? Yeah, it's a similar story. I think being kind to yourself is key and then not expecting too much. So like Angelina said, take the help. Um, I think a big one for me, for those that are maybe considering um, falling pregnant or, you know, are pregnant, is the best thing to do is not to compare yourself to other people and especially don't compare yourself to friends who don't have a condition that's probably um, not a helpful thing. Just reach out to the community. We have such a strong, lovely, positive community. Um, and 
we all understand. We understand each other. We understand the kind of challenges um, that we go through. And for me, like the Zebra Club is my lifeline. I always say Jeannie's my saviour. Um, <laughs> and that's what keeps me going. That's what, you know, brought me to being strong where I am today. And it will help me if we, we have another baby in the future. So um, there's definitely, uh, you know, opportunities to to get that knowledge and to enjoy the pregnancy and your baby. So Aww. if you're thinking about it and would like to do it, I would definitely uh, reach out. Oh, fantastic. Lovely. Thank you. Thank, those are all beautiful comments. Thank you, everyone. So, um, so if you've been listening to this podcast, I hope you found that useful. And, um, you know, huge thanks to everyone here who's taken the time to share their experiences with us. Um, so thank you all for listening. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought that was so nice. Such a lovely, relaxed um, sharing of our personal journeys you know we're all we are all on this journey together um, so thank you again ladies I really appreciate it and good luck to Kelly in the, yeah. in the coming thank weeks you. ahead we can't <laughs> wait to hear how you get on um, thank so you. thank you everyone for listening and until next time keep moving <laughs> <laughs>